Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Nicole Bradford. She is the co-founder and built the Transformer Tech and global ecosystem dedicated to educating and gathering and activating well-being tech founders, investors, and innovators. Today's Transformer Tech has members in 72 countries and 450 cities, and their tentpole events online or in person attract nearly 1,000 attendees. They help founders leveraging exponential tech for mental and emotional well-being and social and emotional wellness and human potential and performance and find feedback, funding, and friends. They help investors find the best uh, well-being tech founders and companies. Nicole helps corporate innovators understand and apply these powerful tools. Nicole curates the Transformative Tech Conference, the most important event of the intersection of tech and well-being. With no further delay, I'd like to welcome Nicole. Hi, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks great. for having me. I'm so excited for you to be on the show today. You have curated and created an amazing community through the transformative technologies. Uh, and it's an amazing ecosystem that actually is pushing technology into uh, a place of positivity. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to dive in and also learn a bit of your origin story and what got you into actually founding transformative tech. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so I actually, so transformative tech is in short, the TLDR is that it's technology for the inner landscape. So that might be technology for mental health. It might be technology for purpose and performance. Um, and it also might be technology for social and emotional wellness. So, um, you know, that could be technology for culture. That could be technology for teams. And, and we can go into that a little bit more. But the way to really think about it is that we're humans. Uh, we're having a human experience. We have an inner landscape that's about our mind, attitude, culture, norms, beliefs, um, inner health, psychological stability, psychological safety, the ability to take risks, like all of these human things. Yeah. Um, and transformative technology says, hey, there's a role for technology for the inner landscape. Um, and so where that came, how that came about was um, I was in uh, video games and, um, you know, and I have had a, a pretty amazing career, been in pretty extraordinary places, including, um, you know, I started out at Disney Interactive and then went to Vivendi Games. And the important thing there was I eventually became, um, a part of the um, the core deal team on the Activision and um, the Vivendi acquisition of Activision and the creation of Activision Blizzard, which was an in industry defining event. I reported to the CEO, worked with the C-suite and was one of a very small group of people who worked on an $18 billion deal that completely changed the landscape of gaming in the West. Um, and then after that, I moved to China and became ultimately the head of operations, the director of operations for Blizzard Entertainment for China, uh, which meant that I worked on World of Warcraft and Starcraft and a bunch of other things, overseeing the back end and also go to market. But that also meant uh, very early upon getting there that um, you know Blizzard 
changed partners in China and moved from the nine to another company called NetEase. And that was the first time a foreign company had done that. So it completely changed the landscape of, of gaming in China when that happened um, and what people thought you know, was possible. Um, and so I was doing that, loving it. And I was moving from Shanghai to Hong Kong and had a month off. And so with that month, I decided to have a few adventures. I'm an Enneagram seven, you know, <laughs> I love a good adventure. And, you know, I've been to 70 plus countries. And so I decided that I wanted to do three things. One was to go to Bhutan because I was in the neighborhood. Two was to get PADI certified in Thailand. And three was to try a silent retreat, like a full silent retreat. I'd sort of played with meditation before that I hadn't gone full silence. And so I went to a Guanka retreat in Southern Japan. It was actually my first stop on my, you know, on my very casually considered adventure. Um, and I had an awakening, uh, not an epiphany, but an actual like awakening on that mm. retreat. And that changed the course of my life. Wow. So I mean, there's a lot of amazing things there to unpack. One, first being exposed to, you know, the the biggest levels of gaming and what that fundamentally has, that the, the shift that was taking mm. place in that and realizing that these industries can fundamentally have huge pivots and bring you into new landscapes. So you kind of got a feel for the whole, as the gaming industry evolved, you could see it evolve right in front of you. So you knew that was possible. And so you had the, that kind of possibility open up, but then you had that internal reality open up to you well with a, with an awakening, um, which I'd love to dive into a, a little bit um, because it seems there's various yeah. ways to get there, but can you describe to me yeah. and unpack a bit of the awakening? Well, I mean, the the net of it was, I would say, and I would call it a first awakening because I have to tell you, it's like the wars that are fought over what that word means and what it means to whom is just more than like anyone wants to bear. So, um, you know, basically the, the, the TLDR is that we think thinking makes a sound, you know, like fundamentally we think thinking makes a sound. Um, and let me turn... A notification off. So we think thinking makes a sound. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you, if when you read, you hear your voice in mm -hmm. your head, uh, which I hear my voice in my head. Um, but if you hear your voice in your head, when you read, um, it means that you're sub vocalizing. And, and so because most of us sub vocalize, we think that thinking makes a sound, but it doesn't. Um, and one of the ways that we know this uh, more broadly than spiritual practice is that people who competitive uh, speed read, they actually have to turn, they train themselves to not sub vocalize because it actually slows you down. And so you don't need, uh, so thinking doesn't make a sound, but we think that it does. Mm -hmm. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can't see you though. Can you see me? I can see you. Uh, you're coming through. We have um, people in the crowd. They seem to be coming through loud and clear. Um, okay. So I'm not. I'm not too sure what's. Uh... Okay, I'm going to close some windows while we're talking. Okay, so so, um, so we think that thinking makes a sound, but it doesn't. Mm. And so what happened to me is I went on this seven day Goinka retreat, 
Um, I had a lot of interesting things happen, uh, but one of the outcomes was that by the end of the retreat, um, you know, I, that inner chatter was gone and it was gone for about four months. And it turns out that you, you, you don't need to think to read, you don't need to sound like, like, like the sound of thinking, you don't need it for reading. You don't need it to build Excel models. Like you, you don't actually need that sound, but we think that we do because, you know, people think that the sound of our, our, that, that action of sub vocalization, um, you know, it's thought to start happening around four or five, mm -hmm. um, as we uh, like start to add layers to our identity. Um, and so that went away. And because of that, usually the voice in your head, um, also says all sorts of terrible things to you about what's wrong with you, you know, what you look like, are you too old? You know, you're not blank enough. You're not rich enough, old enough, young enough, smart enough, tall enough, mm -hmm. fast enough, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so with that being gone, um, I got real happy <laughs> and I got real fearless, you know, like I got real happy and I got real fearless and, um, and I also got real curious you know, and, and I also, you know, my, I'm a, I'm African-American. Um, I'm from Houston, Texas. My dad was a plumber, you know, my mom was an entrepreneur, um, and had a law degree, but didn't practice. So like, I'm a solidly middle-class, you know, when things are great, lower middle-class, you know, when things were sketchy economically. Um, but you know, like that's who, that's who I am. And, and so I was really um, aware of the realities that even though a meditation retreat, especially the Buddhist ones might be free, like a Goinka retreat is free. Mm -hmm. The reality is that the bulk of the world works and they work every single day. And so even if a retreat is free, it is still an elite experience. And so, you know, for me, I have a very democratic orientation, you know, like I don't think everyone has to do everything, um, but I think everyone should have access to the good things. And so because on the back of World of Warcraft, I saw friendships, you know, I saw like I saw in the data, I saw friendships and community and connections and, you know, examples of like 15 year olds running 5000 person guilds filled with adults. You know, I saw this like, um, you know, this uh, in many ways, a, you know, a lot of um, uh, a meritocracy in many ways, you know, um, and the good games don't allow you to pay for power. So mm -hmm. you do you do have to grind like you pay with time, but you can't buy power, you know, in a game, in a really ethical game in, in my mind. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the principles of World of Warcraft. You can't buy power. Yeah. Um, and so because I, you know, was pro-tech and I was also pro-tech because like growing up in Houston, Texas as a little black girl in a white neighborhood and trying to figure out who I am, I watched Star Trek and like saw a world where humanity for the most part was on the same page. Like we'd really like gotten over ourselves, right? And um, we were for the most part on the same page and we were about the business of discovery. 
um, you know, and and um, and that really appealed to me. And the fact that I saw, you know, black people in that future, I was like, <laughs> yay, we make it right. Um, and so it just was really meaningful to me. So I was always very pro science, pro technology, mm -hmm. and uh, and then you know having this uh, this experience where um you know where i had this dramatic this dramatic experience and and you know having the point of view that um having the point of view that the way to really really make it accessible that technology you know the the technology is the thing that makes what is scarce abundant and if we really wanted people uh, to be able to have access to, you know, a kind of happiness and fearlessness, um, you know, then then technology was the way to go. And I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any, um, I didn't have anything that made me think that that wasn't that that wasn't possible. And so that's what led to me looking for how you you could use technology to um, how you could use technology to um, to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and so that's what led to me being connected to Jeffrey Martin um, and us starting Transformative Tech. That's beautiful. And there's a um a couple things that you are having some notifications. So if, I don't know if you can silence those at all, but I do want to I, I do want to. Perfect. Okay. Um, some things that uh, I, I'm noticing here that are actually really amazing is that, you know, we all see reality through through the lenses that we're given, right, or that we experience. And a couple of these different lenses that you're going through and you're going through is one, you saw the power of gaming and you saw the power of power of friendship through World of Warcraft. And I remember that because I had my own uh, entrepreneur business where we actually were all we had a guild all in World of Warcraft oh, because great. they were we all you know I uh, I ran a food truck decades ago and we got together and we all we all had a guild together that we'd hang out in and I remember doing that because it was a fun way for us to just have a good time together so yeah. but you're having that the power of friendship right and then in, in the tech space but then you see this this mind-blowing experience with that internal landscape because we realize that we have that we are we identify to this internal narrative and we think it's us that that internal narrative is us but you were able to separate that internal narrative from your actual consciousness and realize that that while it might be that internal narrative narrative is it is a terrible terrible best friend to, to have an experience and so you could see oh it, this experience that i had in my internal landscape if only this was more abundantly available like in the gaming space in the oh. technology space and if people like jordi laforge can and can create an amazing reality of the future then it's possible for me to do this. And then you had this, when you talked about what is, you're talking about absolute happiness and bravery, which is a powerful combination to be able to get you to move forward. Because my guess is you probably had what I would call uh, in the hero's journey narrative, some threshold guardians uh, in order to be able to build up a community along the way. I'm sure it wasn't all a, cr a simple path. Can you, <laughs> you just turn it on, everybody showed up, no problem. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, it's like when I, when I announced to my family that I was leaving that, you know, you know, what I had done, 
yeah. uh, to go do this crazy thing. Uh, it was straight up craziness. And so, you know, and a lot of people, like people that I knew in the games industry thought I was absolutely like insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I had, I actually had people call me up and be like, we want to know what's going on with you, you know, like almost mm -hmm. interventions. Right. Um, and so 2015, I was crazy. 2016, I was crazy. 2017, um, I was interesting. 2018, I was more interesting, partially because of, you know, candidly, the high profile suicides where people that no one expected to commit suicide were beginning to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and it was also when men started to come forward and say that they were having mental health issues. Uh, and pushing on the stigma and people started to say, oh, okay, there's a problem and starting to realize that the scale and scope of the problem compared to the, you know, the solutions, like, for example, like they basically, you know, depression is the leading dis disability in the world today. Wow. Um, and that was even pre-COVID. And so the number of like basically the number of therapists, teachers, coaches, you know, like the number of people who deal with human transformation in all of its forms, there are not enough people just even on the licensed side for, for depression and mental illness mm -hmm. to actually serve the Delta to serve the, like the, like the change, or I mean the difference between how many people we would need to do it the old school way and how many people have the need. And, you know, and you would actually, I, I, you know, I, I uh, saw this really fascinating study that someone had done, and I don't remember who it was, but it basically was like if you took the um, the student body or the school size of every licensing body, your certification body in the world that deals with mental health, like all the universities that have psychology, psychiatry, whatever, and you filled them up maximum capacity, current capacity, it would take a hundred years to meet the demand or meet the need of this being the leading disease burden. And so, you know, it was one of those things I would have conversations with people who were like, you, you know, there's, there's no replacing a human in this kind of area. And I was like, okay, I hear you, but you have to understand that with that point of view, that there's no room for technology in this space you are saying it is okay for mm. all of these people to suffer yeah. in, for as many years as it takes for you to be comfortable with technology being in this place. So people in 2018 were starting to say, oh, you might have something. Um, and then 2019 was our biggest event ever. And mental health is just one piece. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But um, 2020, I was right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like 2020 was the year that it's like everyone's like, oh, Nicole, you were right, because we were forced into uh, using tech in these ways. And mm -hmm. now I actually just looked at a study because I also do a bunch of consulting around well-being tech and and um there was a study that was done with about 3000 people. So it's, you know, big enough to be statistically significant. And like 73% of these people said that if their doctor did not offer telehealth, they would change doctors. 
Wow. So that's like a primary intimate relationship. And people are saying, look, if I can't meet you online for, you know, the stuff that doesn't require you to touch me or take something liquid from me, then I, I'm not doing it. Like, that's crazy. Why would I go through that horrible experience again? And it really took something like a global pandemic to get the medical community to change, honestly. Yeah. And that's really interesting. It, the, the, medical industry and also the education facilities, the irony, the fact that the, the places that teach people new stuff struggled with adapting to learning new stuff. And there's <laughs> an absolute yeah. irony there. And, and you're talking about that, that, the, the truth meter of going from, you know, crazy to prolific to being common knowledge is what you kind of had to go through along mm -hmm. your journey along the way. And, there, and again, those, those moments, I would be curious about that you know that you know they say people that can bear uh with any why can bear any how so along the way was it was it the fact that you knew your inner peace and you knew the gift that you would give and that's what allowed you to endure because there's a lot of i mean we are social cre creatures and that social because there's three realities we live in we do live in the physical reality we do live in our own internal landscape but we also have that third social reality and so imagine that pressure that you got faced upon as people were saying you're crazy like what gave you that that ability to continue on through that? You know, it just really was, um, you know, I have a, um, you know, I just have a, um, I call it the golden thread. Okay. It's just a knowing about some things. And I just, you know, I just knew that doesn't mean it was elegant and it doesn't mean that it was pretty. And I cried a lot of tears um, as I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done to my career? You know, like I don't have a trust fund, <laughs> you know, like I like I, yeah, I don't have a trust fund, you know, in the like. And I'm not married, by the way, anyone I am dating, uh, but I don't have a trust fund. I'm not married. I don't have any backup. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just me. And, um, but I just knew, you know, I just knew that this was needed. And, uh, and so I stuck with it. Not elegant, not pretty, lots of tears, um, lots of like dark nights of the soul and wondering what I was doing. But then there'd be this moment where I was, you know, talking with someone who was building something new that I thought that the world needed you know, and it would inspire me. See, right there is really powerful because people just see the the aftermath go, oh, it's, you know, of course it's an, it's an easy idea. Just make this type of community. It's no problem. Boom, turn it on. Super <laughs> successful. Yeah, of course. It's such an easy idea. The But that journey that you do is so powerful. <laughs> and then what you talk about, which I think is really interesting, is you're talking about these moments of energy that you get from the community that actually is kind of, you're creating this flywheel of inspiration and motivation and engagement that's the power of this community so yeah can you talk to me just a little bit about some of these technologies and doesn't need name any specific ones or if you do that's fine that really give you energy is there any um personal stories that you've seen of people using the technologies and the and the profound impact that they've had and so that you know that there's meaning and purpose to what you've done yeah i mean there's there's i mean there's there's many many cases um, you know, I, 
one of the, you know, one of the products that I still love so much is um, uh, Moxie, a social emotional robot. And part of it is because the, you know, we, we're all born with emotions, but we aren't bo born with emotional fluency. And so I think Moxie is a, I think it's, it, you know, it, it's a really great example of, of how to build. So uh, Moxie is, it's a little robot. It looks like um, a Pixar mm -hmm. character. The guy who developed it wanted something that could be a best friend to children. But they made some really amazing design choices, such as um, Moxie sends children into the world. So it isn't the final mediator. So, you know, and, and the people who are using it the most are people who um, who have children who have um, special needs or who are on the spectrum in some way. And so, you know, Moxie asked children how they, like a question might be, who's your best friend, Nicole? Oh, well, my best friend is Dylan. How does Dylan feel? Oh, I don't know. Well, go ask Dylan, you know? And so it's like, it's very much, it sends children out. So it's yeah. not the, it's not the source of truth. It's not the arbitrator. It's the giver of missions into the real world, that. real people. So children can have real experiences, mm -hmm. you know, and, and become more comfortable with that. This, so that's the first design um, element so, is that the technology is not the, the, the final arbiter of truth. The second thing is that it, the robot is only accessible for one hour a day. So children cannot binge. So in a in an on-demand world, you know, how do you teach people to wait? You know, and you hear about the, the marshmallow test where if a child is able to wait for two, it's mm -hmm. an indicator of success. Well, how do you teach that? You know, the way it's presented is that you either have it or you don't. And whether or not you have it will determine how successful you are in life. Well, like, what about teaching that? That's the core of transpersonal psychology. That's the difference between transpersonal psychology and regular psychology. Regular psychology is sort of like what is and transpersonal psychology, which is the, you know, the uh, William James, you know, like that area um, is about the idea that the human mind can change, that transformation is possible. So, you know, like teach, teach children to wait. How do you teach children to wait? They have to wait 24 hours. Mm -hmm. to interact with the robot again, it's teaching them to wait. And then the third part is security. Uh -huh. So um, parents have access to um, like the, the language logs, or like they can see what's going on with the child. Because one of the things is that um, word usage, at least in English, and their stuff is mostly based on English right now, um, you know, word choice um, and the way children speak is a really good early indicator of learning disabilities, mm. you know, and, and especially with, with spectrum kids, um, being able to find out early. So not a learning disability, but a challenge, like being able to find out early that they've got, uh, that, you know, that they've got a, a, a little bit of neurodiversity is very helpful for parents. Cause a lot of times the way parents find out is when the child starts failing at school. And when they start failing at school, then they get confidence issues, Ooh. you know? And so it's not only do you have to unpack what's wrong, but you have to like, you know, uh, 
erase all the terrible experiences that they have when, you know, they might have behavioral issues because they're not understanding. And so you have to unpack all of that in order to get at what this is. So, so you know, their mandate was to um, be a best friend for children, be an ally for parents. So they're not trying to replace, it's not about screen raising. It's about giving parents a tool to mm -hmm. understand how their child is doing and early insights. But if the parents lose the password, mm -hmm. then the robot has to be wiped and it will have no more memories of that child. Um, so, um, you know, and they do that. So what they do is all everything stored locally and certainly probably like a great hacker could get in there and whatnot. And, you know, I don't know how many people actually like really care what a six year old thinks, but who knows? <laughs> you know? um, but um, what goes back and forth to the company is not the photos. It's not the voice files. It's just math. Yeah. So it's called a hormomorphic database. It's just math. It goes back and forth, no assets. Um, and, you know, and the connection is really to push new content. And the content stays with sort of like the gold standard of like, how do you, you know, how do you teach children social emotional cues and, and learning? Um, and so that, I love this product because I think it's a, a great example of, of how you how you do it. They got security right. Yep. They got, you know, they got um, anti-addiction right. Mm -hmm. um, and they got, you know, the human part is the part that matters. Yeah. Right. The technology is not the goal. It's just a tool. I, I love that so much for several reasons, because I mean, the greatest technologies are the ones that connect us, right? The airplane, the cell phone, the internet, all those are just mechanisms to have us be connected because what we're doing is we're creating digital unity, right? I mean, that's what all this is. We're all creating together is this form of digital unity where we are one. And what you're talking about, this is almost like a digital lubricant, digital social lubricant for kids that allow them to remove that anxiety of having to connect with other people. But if you can turn that whole needing to connect with somebody else and remove that social pressure that we all feel because we're social creatures and you can turn it into a game, you can turn it into a mission, you can turn it into a quest, then you take the focus off of the, the actual social pressure of the connection and you put it more on, I'm just playing a game. I'm just going about this. And that will then teach them the game of being a social human being, which is something that we all crave, but it is something that we aren't always given the equal tools to be able to, to function and facilitate. And I, and I love that. And it sounds like what they're doing is they're de-identifying any of the actual uh, languages that the child's speaking. And it's just setting up patterns. And my, it's my guess it's setting yeah, some sort it's of just, AI. Yeah, it's just math uh, is what goes mm -hmm. back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and um and 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 that kind of stuff is fairly common now yeah. um with ethical organizations um fairly common um mm -hmm. but but it's sort of like a good example and so i think you know if you were to think about it it's like i you know i think the fundamental crisis that we have is that we don't know how to be feel and become that that's really what's going on um and you know the being part um the technologies that are for it are around stress anxiety um, you know, uh, sleep, because if you can't sleep, like, it's like, you have no choice, like, like, it's hard to be well, if you're not sleeping. Um, it has a lot of cascading effects. Um, around the becoming is about 
all of this sort of like training, social and emotional wellness or mm -hmm. train, you know, interaction, like how do we, how, how are we good at together? Like, I think trust is a skill. And I think it's, um, I think it's, uh, I think the ability to trust is a skill. We all know people who can't mm -hmm. trust and how terrible it makes them in relationship. I think the ability to create trust is a skill. Um, you know, innovation, one of the primary requirements for innovation is the willingness to take risk. So the most innovative teams in the world are the ones that have leaders that establish psychological safety, which is basically, it doesn't mean nice, but it means I can take a risk safely mm -hmm. in this group. And that risk might be this design is wrong. The customers don't like it, actually. You know, or it might be, you know, this is wrong or mm -hmm. what about this? So all of that is sort of like, you know, core to innovation, like psychological human health is actually the core for, I think, outrageous, endless human innovation. Um, and so using learning how to use technology for that is very important. And then the last part is sort of, you know, um, you know, well, that was feel. And then the last part is becoming. And so it's mm -hmm. like, where are we, where are we going? So it's sort of like, if you look at where we are right now is um, there's a tremendous amount of pressure that's coming from technology. And so I'll give you a really good example is that mm -hmm. we live in the age of networks. And so what that means is that um, never before has there been such an opportunity to learn and earn. All over the world, you can learn and earn in a, a network, which might be an Airbnb, it might be a Mechanical Turk, it might be, you know, like these are all networks um, that allow you to earn and learn and earn. Mm -hmm. um, the other side of it is that it's the nature of a network that basically we are all rateable in relationship to one another. And it is the nature of a network. It's kind of like networks are kind of like, um, they have like a reverse centrifugal force. And I don't know what the name of that is. I should know what it is. But basically, excellent mm -hmm. stays in the middle and everybody else gets pushed to the outside and they know what their number is. It's like a gravity. Yeah, it's like it's like it's it pushes. So excellent stays in mm -hmm. the middle and those are the top compensated people. Mm -hmm. And then everyone, if you're not excellent, you you have, feel a force that pushes you to the side. The reason why that matters is because um, our primitive brain does three things, eat, procreate, and fight in order to eat and procreate. I mean, that that's really what the, like the, 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 the base lizard does. And sure, there's like a lay in the sun part, but, you know, the lizard brain eats, has sex, and defends the ability to do one and two. And so, you know, status is a big part of your ability to do you know those three things and so what the age of networks is doing is it is taking um the technology is rubbing mm -hmm. directly up against our base human nature we know our status and it isn't just our own village now it's the whole world you can know your status across the whole world and it makes us incredibly uncomfortable. So it's the difference and the differences between um, what we're talking about is suffering. 
right? So if you know your status um, and you are identified, if your identity is tied to status, then in the age of networks, the technology itself ties you to suffering. And the reason why you're suffering because you are you are it is impossible to separate yourself from comparing yourself to others and comparison is the thief of joy is that what you're saying exactly so but we know from the ancients right mm -hmm. we know from the world's you know spiritual traditions mm -hmm. that there are many humans who have gone down the path of not being not having identity tied to status so we know that it's something that is doable and there's lots of people who have done it right and so the thing is, is that the only way to thrive in the age of networks, because also the people who are the most excellent, they're miserable too, because they're trying to keep it up, right? And they think if they can't, it means something mm -hmm. about who they are often. And so the only way to really thrive um, and, you know, and, or have full aliveness, let me call it that, because you can economically thrive. But the yeah. only way to have full aliveness in the age of networks is to detach your identity from status. You have to graduate beyond your primitive brain. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to have human transformation. Like you have to actually evolve. And so that's what we have to do. And so if you look across like, and that's just one example of what's happening with exponential tech and a bunch of other things. We have this huge you know, force change, it's compounding. Um, and then if you look at sort of like the rise of the software line and what's actually required, because software is like eating most, eating a lot of tasks, but the tasks that are left are the human interaction tasks, the, the human creation tasks, the human innovation tasks, the creativity tasks where you take the software and you make it better. Like that's what's left, but we don't teach any of that. Yeah. expect people to pick it up from the culture. So we're in a place where we have a lot of pressure on the molecules of life, right? The mm -hmm. stuff and the digitization that's happening there. And then we have the headspace that we need to be in. And the, then we have this gap. And for me, the gap is filled by transformative technology mm. because we also don't have a tremendous amount of time. Um, I have some friends who did a really interesting study or the way that they looked at history is they looked at it in terms of, um, they looked at the fall of civilizations, but they looked at it in terms of, um, basically their thesis is that what happens before falls is actually massive clusters of technological innovation without corresponding shifts in the organizational system of a civilization. And the organizing mm -hmm. system or OS of a system, I mean, of a civilization is beliefs, norms, values, myths, narratives. It's basically all that inner human stuff. Yeah. And so we're, you know, in short, the TLDR is that we're in a place where um, we require human transformation and we need it at a scale and a density I mean, tech has made scale a dirty word, but we need it at a, as a density, at a density that actually makes the difference. Yeah. And we have 10-ish years 
to get that done. And it doesn't mean that we'll destroy ourselves, but it does mean that we have a future, we're sort of facing, do we have a future that looks a little bit more like Hunger Games? Or do we have a future that looks a little bit more like Star Trek? Yeah. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, it's a society is a race between utopia and disaster. And what you're talking about on this pattern is we we live in this weird paradox. And one of the things I've always like, um, uh, if you look at like like the Bhagavad Gita, the Dharmic time, with the date of the times, right? So how do you how do you de-identify? Well, you can be a hermit and you can separate yourself from the network. That's one path. And the other one is to to be the king that is of service to the people, completely detached to the actual production, but to be of service to the people, right? Yeah. Which is which is very counter to what the U.S. is, which is me, mine first, go thrive, I win, right? So what you're talking about is we we live in this weird paradox where we have to have this heroic belief that we can be the heroes of our own story, affect change and be able to create some sort of technology or some sort of network or some sort of place that uh, that allows us to shift consciousness, to make possibility, to make opportunities and to do it in a way that doesn't do the typical consumption, greed, I consume all, but in a way that actually um, instills a new belief pattern that by us all banding together, we can actually rise together and we can grow this pie versus trying to eat the pie from each other. Yes. Like that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then in terms of that, how do you, cause there's a lot of people that get disenfranchised with a lot of this type of stuff. Like, Oh, it, uh, the, the, the ocean screwed. I can't do anything. I'm disattached. I can't do anything with the government policies. I'm detached. So they get this, they get this belief pattern that I'm too small to affect any change. Right. So then how do you, how do you shift that change in that belief pattern to, to really open up the possibility that while they, while yes, they are small, they can also have tremendous impact. So what is it? How do you, since you've gone through this, how do you make that mental shift happen for people? Yeah, um, you know, so what I what I the way I think about it is the intersection between what I call deep human and deep tech. And historically, deep technology meant sort of like wasn't consumer facing chemical or whatever. But Thomas Friedman has this wonderful quote where he says the world has gone from flat to fast to smart to deep. And it's sort of like the you know, the deepness is like this precision. And the world is starting to be awash with no code tools where people can build things. So that, that's one part, but on the deep human part, that's really being, you know, the, the, that's really going as deep as you can as a person becoming as, I swear my discord's off. So that's not me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know where it's at. Like everything looks like it's off. But the universe um, is trying to come into the space, you know, they're trying yeah. to connect. Yeah. Going as deep as you can as a person, like getting mm -hmm. as alive as you can, you know, doing like like getting as deep as you can. And it's funny, it's like people will say, uh, you know, they'll they'll one of the other things that overwhelms people a lot is the um attention economy, Facebook surveillance economy stuff. And they'll be like, oh, in that environment. And I'd be like, well, true, but let me ask you something. You have kids? And they're like, yeah, I have kids. I was like, well, Big Brother's watching you and so are your kids. You know, like your children <laughs> are watching every move you oh, make. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you are, you know, if you are not modeling emotional fluency to your children, because they're mm -hmm. definitely going to be in this world, you know, that's coming. 
um, then you're doing them a disservice. Mm -hmm. If you're not modeling, you know, um, uh, the sort of person who is at least working on disattaching your identity from status, you know, then you are not being of service to them. So like the most basic thing, thing you can do to, especially if you've got kids, if you've got kids, <laughs> the most basic thing you can do is get as deep as you can and help them get as deep as they can. Because what will happen is that the people who have the ability to be the most human will be the ones, you know, should our work work as I hope, they will be the ones who will be the most desired to work with the technology of the future, right? So if like, if you want to get them ready, you know, for, for their turn at the reins, get them as deep as you can, because that's actually, you know, what we're working towards. So that's number one. Um, and then number two is there are some things that are going to need to happen. Like, you know, there will be a, there will be a time in our lives where we will need to vote um, on neuro rights. You know, like you're going to have to, you're going to, especially if you're, you know, if you're a young person, if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this, you need to be prepared to make your voice heard about um, neuro and bio data rights. So just be prepared for it. So there's that. And then the other thing is be a builder, be a creator. You know, the world is filled with no code tools uh, where you can build things and make things and you know, and you can be the kind of um, builder that makes things that, you know, like one of the big issues with data right now is that on one side you have, you have zealots on all sides. So on one side you have people who think that they're entitled to your data and that it's like, it, like everything that they do, that's the stink of entitlement, really. Um, they think they're entitled to it. And so when they, when, you know, when you read their privacy, policies, they are granting you privacy as if they owned your data already. It's really, it's a, it's subtle, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have people who say, you know, all data belongs to the individual. Um, and so, you know, to that, I say, you know, the, we're looking at in 15 years, two thirds of the world's population is going to live in cities. And the cities are going to be smart. So there's going to be an OS, a city OS that is managing the traffic lights, the elevators, all of these things. So while I believe you have the right to hide your identity in a smart city, you don't have the right to hide your presence because how will the traffic lights work? How will the elevators work? You know, like you have the right to hide your identity. But, you know, the city needs to know if there's 7 million people or 5 million people or if someone's on the elevator or not, yeah. that kind of thing. And so there's like commons, public commons that are a part of it. So the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know, yeah. figuring it out. And I think one of the things that's key is we need the ability to tag our data, public, private and for sale. We need data unions. We need the ability to have leverage. Right now we have no leverage, especially with these entitled people. Um, and so we need, we need that, but you know, we need neural rights. We need bio rights. So there's a couple of pieces I want to touch on. Mm -hmm. So, so one being is, um, I'm an uncle. I have a, a seven year old and 11 year old, a 17, 18. And, uh, 
there's this there's this thing we're trying to teach them social emotional awareness where my my brother said he's like i will never play monopoly with these kids because it always ends in a fight and so i took him on that challenge i said let me do this i said okay guys every time every time one of you gets upset we're gonna pause we're gonna say something grateful to the next person we're gonna do this and we're gonna do some heart head breathing exercises and it worked for most of the time i got i got most of the way through it uh, until the little one quit and then she got mad because she wasn't included in the heart head breathing but it was trying to teach them this awareness <laughs> even though she wasn't a part of the plane she politely went away but then we didn't include her in it and she was very very upset and she didn't say things so we had to have a we had a pleasant conversation um but that that ability to try to get them to experience because because normally it's either you know fist or feet right that's i'm either gonna punch you i'm gonna run away and there's that being able to sit in that pocket with the kids and teach them that because now you're right anybody can, can can create anything but then can you connect can you go deep can you connect with yourself can you connect with others and there's there's a real power and need for that and that's the first step of the social emotional awareness and then regulation right which is two things this is it's you have to first be aware yeah. and you have to regulate i was not aware that she wanted to be included in the meditation so I so then we went through some regulation afterwards and I had to apologize and play games and do dress up. Oh, but anyway, there's also a couple of other things, which is yeah. it's like, you know, because I have such a big background in games, a lot of times people will come to me and they'll want to make, you know, they'll want to make, um, though they believe that there's a world in which there should be no representations of violence and you know the thing about like like okay so here's the biggest issue with the um the shopping engines mm -hmm. and the basically the recommendation engines mm -hmm. whether it's amazon or netflix or whatever the way a recommendation engine works is it is based off of what you liked in the past and what people like you liked you know, mm -hmm. and, and those are the things that get surfaced. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge with that is like one of the fundamental pieces of becoming a, an adult is um, having, I swear my discord's off and I turned <laughs> off my notifications. I don't know where it's coming from. I can't imagine how busy you are on a daily basis. You get that much notifications. I would have to have like yeah. a you throw a Faraday cage over your computer or something to try to keep Yeah, I don't going. even know. I just, it's like, I, I actually, I turned off my Discord. So, it's so okay. it's not, so it's not, uh, it's not coming up. But it's anyway. Okay. Yeah, please, please continue though. You're talking about the recommendations. Yeah, and and so the, the... it's like, it's like being an adult is being yeah. presented with what you don't like and knowing you don't like it. So part of that is like, you know, Every one of us has had that, you know, like every one of us has told a secret as a child. Mm -hmm. You know, every one of us has told a lie as a child, right? You know, anyone who says that as a child, they've never lied is lying. You know, <laughs> they do it all the time. Well, not all the time, but they do it at least once, right? Mm, yeah. And so, you know, and so the thing is, is like, there's this, there's this part of being adult, which includes trying things and realizing that you don't like the way it feels to hurt someone else or that you don't like, you know, these other things. And so, you know, I think that, you know, what we're not trying to do is get rid of fear, get rid of sadness, get rid of anger, but it's to get into a different relationship with those things. So they're not in charge, you know, and to have the, 
the ability to experience it, but not act on it. Like that's, that's what, you know, the goal is. It's not, you know, anyone who's trying to be happy all the time is someone who is really creepy right. and nobody trusts. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm highly medicated. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you don't honor because those negative feelings that you have are true and real. And if you don't, it turns into what we know, you disengage, uh, repress, and it turns into some, it, 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 it pops out in weird, creepy ways. It's like trying to keep air balloons underneath the water. You're trying to hold down all these things and you're using like 90% of your mental capacity to just try to force the negativity down versus accept it, be with it, honor it, and you know, embrace it and sit with it. And it's being able to sit with that negativity and sit with those, it's like sitting with a, it's like you can't just feel good all the time. Sometimes you have to struggle because on the other side of struggle, there is that sense of achievement, belief, growth, you know, all that, all those pieces. So you, it's like, it's, it's, it's a cycler, it's a cycler flow yeah. of that stuff. So you're totally right. You can't just be happy all the time because there's, there's obviously something that is not being acknowledged because we don't, there's a science to sadness and there's a piece that, that we need to honor. Otherwise it, 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 it doesn't work. We don't work. We're not human. We need both sides of that equation. So. And I um, think, didn't you, inter you interviewed Jeffrey, right? Jeffrey Martin. Mm -mm. No. Oh, you should interview him next because, okay. you know, you know. So Jeffrey was my co-founder for Transformative Tech, and mm -hmm. Jeffrey's research is really all about non-dual states. Um, and the world uses there's over two hundred terms, you know, non-duality, unity, consciousness. Like there's mm -hmm. like so much enlightenment, though that is a dangerous word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how 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 you have no idea how ratchet spiritual people get over right. using what word <laughs> religion and politics man religion and but politics anyway. yeah um you know but really it's about you know it's like the fundamental human like the the, the problem is the fundamental human problem which mm. is you know, that like that fundamental human, and, and I guess it's not a problem, but it's whether or not it's conscious or unconscious is the problem. So we say that there's three doors. Door number one is to remain unconscious. And in that situation, the lizard is in charge, whether it's for status or whatever else the lizard is about. Mm -hmm. Door number two is to manage it. And that's where a lot of the positive psychology comes in. And you really can, like, there's so many things that you can manage and you can manage it. And you can like, you know, you can do a lot to manage it. The third one is to actually really solve it. And that solving it is about, um, you know, actually like, you know, making the transition um, and, and, and transitioning into, um, you know, a state where um, sort of like your fundamental nature is different. And, and for that, we have a lot of proof from the ancients that people can do this. The question is like, how do you do it in a modern context um, in a world where, you know, religion is deprioritized, um, mm. but spiritualities as a need still exist. Um, so that's probably another hour, Yeah, uh, you know, but <laughs> how do you do that? Like they were right about some things, you know, and we need that stuff now. I think it's fascinating that we're at a place where, you know, the technology has put us in a place where, we need to be as human as we can. Um, yeah. And that, and my thesis is that, you know, being as human as we possibly can is how we actually get um, 
more out of the technology because we got climate change, we got inequality, we need to get, you know, I, I think we need to get multi-planetary. Um, you know, we have longevity, we've got food, like we have so many things. Yeah. And, you know, what is happening, especially with like a lot of the people who are very early to digitization, mm-hmm. is what they've discovered is that you can't have the full benefits of digitization without human transformation. If you just hand people the software and you haven't, you know, you haven't supported them to become flexible, adaptable, emotionally intelligent, psychologically safe people, then they just take the software and when it breaks, they go, oh, it broke. I'm broke. Or, Or when it doesn't, it's not optimized. They just go, they don't say anything. But if you actually want to max it out, you have to, if you transform the people when you do the digital transformation, then they start kit bashing the software, making demands of it, and then the software gets better. And so our thesis, my thesis, is that for transformative technology, if we're doing that with the technologies that support human growth and transformation, then we get to a place where the technology transforms the people and then the people transform the technology and it ends up in this, this big loop um, that is, is a virtuous cycle. And, and you know what I want and what I believe now and what my next set of work is, um, because when I did TransTech, it was really, it was the frontier. But now because of COVID, it's like the frontier moved, like we were on the frontier and then now the frontier moved past where we were at. And I'm glad about that. Yeah. Like I never meant to build a museum. It's not yeah. my nature. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I think the next thing is there's a stack. I'm calling it the humanistic stack. And there's the real, there's mm-hmm. the transformative augmented layer. And then there's the fully digital layer where you have the metaverse, digital mm-hmm. twins, whether they're cities or people or whatever. I think our best outcome is for that to be fully interoperable um, and for it to be humanistic from top to bottom in kind of the ways that I've described to you. And for me, the purpose of it is that, you know, the digital layers and the transformative augmented layer should really serve so that when we are together, it is, you know, we are together in our full aliveness. And mm-hmm. that's what it's for. That's mm-hmm. what it's for. I love it. I uh, I think it's, uh, yes, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in that, but just I want to hit a couple of things on that is, so one of the things being is like, you know, we make the tools and the tools make us. And mm-hmm. and that the one loop in between there, I would just interject is that social layer because, you know, there's our inner landscape, we have their physical reality, then we have the social reality. And we're, we're using that whole thing to kind of build our environments together because, you know, I am who you think I am. And so I respond in kind. And so if you can see yourself as being, as I would say, the hero of your own story or to be of hero to other peoples, then you will rise the occasion and you will have that resilience or you talking about suffering and you're talking about the negative side the dark side the light side uh think about um man's search for meaning Mm. it's not just towards pain and away from pleasure because it's purpose it's that you will go towards suffering if there's purpose a mom will go into a burning car to save the baby's life it's suffering but there's a deeper purpose so fight within that purpose gives you the leverage to see yourself to do things not just for yourself but you know for them i am for them i am strong enough for them i am brave and for them i am this and so if you can see yourself as being uh, not only a member of the society, because you're talking about people that de-identify with the society, say, look, you're you're still a member, man. Okay, fine. I don't know your face, but you're still a part of this community. So you need to be a part of this community. I think there's a power in that because when we get separated, 
that isolation can it causes a lot of neuroses because we are connected in this weird, strange way. So those are some of those elements I would like to talk about. My other piece that we're talking about, I want to touch on it because we got into this, this area, is talking about being connected one with technology. How long before you let uh, uh, Elon Musk put Neuralink in your head? When at what point? <laughs> at what point would you be willing to shave your head like me and just put in a little chip? Like, what would you need to get out of that situation? I'm just just curious. If we're talking about future tech here, what would that look like for you? Well, you know, like one of the things that has to happen has to happen. Uh -huh. And there's a um, there's an incredible guy named Richard Witt who's working on this, but. Um, we need, in, you know, before all of that, we need independent agents. Um, so each of us needs our own AI agent who is loyal to us. And that AI agent is, um, you know, um, able to make contracts and decisions at the speed of, you know, surveillance or at the speed of your data halo um online and off and um is based on the parameters you set you know um saying yes or no to your data being taken by someone else and that agent we need to have those agents in place i think before we all have widespread chips because it, mm -hmm. it can't be like someone off someplace else making decision rules it needs to be you make your decision rule and your agent is not just in your chip but your agent is, you know, as you walk down the street um, in New York from your hotel to your office um, or to your restaurant reservation, um, the agent is knowing when you're walking through an IoT circle and, um, and negotiating with it about how much data it can take and what you get paid for that data. Or you say, no, not at all. Um, and so we need those, and there are people who are working on those, um, you know, and it's, um, yeah, we need those and there are people who are working on those. Mm. Um, so we're going to need those. Um, and, and I think they, by time, you know, by time you could go to the Apple store and get a, or go to a store on the corner and get your neural link put in, wow. um, the AI agents will be like your own AI agent will be available by time that's actually possible. Yeah. So that's that's one thing. Um, and then we do need we are going to have to address uh, neuro and bio rights, like people who are like, like, what's happening in your email and what ads you're looking at is child's play. Like, that's nothing compared to, you know, the neuro and bio rights um, and, you know, and that data halo. So got to get that right um, is is a big part of it. So. You know, and then I guess the other thing I would say is that I'm not interested in uploading my consciousness. Um, you know, like I'm sure at one point I will, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I don't think that we have come anywhere near to maxing out this, this, this. There's so like, we haven't even maxed this out, right? So let's do that. Like, let's focus on that. Um, and then I think you're right. Like one of the things that is that is unknown, but I think we're seeing the early tendrils of it is that, you know, I've been in the game for so long, really. And 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 one of the reasons why, you know, TransTech was vertical, I mean, horizontal across mental and emotional health. So stress, anxiety, um, depression, um, 
happiness, like happiness training, which is really psychological meaning making um, and sleep, uh, which leads to a lot of like physical health. You know, there's a lot of tracking this, tracking that. Um, the second category being the social, interpersonal mm-hmm. stuff. And then yeah. the third category being consciousness enhancement, purpose enhancement, like that higher stuff that you get to, where if you think of the Maslow's hierarchy, as you go through every level, right now, the bulk of technology is on the lowest two levels around, you know, food insecurity and yeah. stuff like that. But then as you move up, it also corresponds to, you know, the different verticals of transformative technology. And by the way, the top of Maslow's hierarchy is really self-transcendence. And most people think it's self-actualization, but that's just that, you know, he did it. He published the bulk of it first and then, but he was one of the first Western people to really start tracking people who were having non-dual states and uh, flow states and a bunch of other things. Um, And so, um, so there's sort of, so there's sort of, there's that. Um, and so I lost my train of thought. So we were talking about. So you're, you're, you're dropping digital bombs along the way. We are talking about what does it take in terms to get a neural chip implant, the neural chip implant you're talking about. We needed to have, uh, an AI that's got your back, your, yeah. your AI sick there. You needed to have the, the full knowledge and rights on, on what you have and what you will and won't allow inside your system. Um, and then you started talking about what other things that we needed along the way, which was you started talking about the technology right now is serving the base needs. And you started talking about the needs at the top of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which was the the inner um, uh, trans mm. trans. Oh, uh, self transcendence. Self transcendence. You know, where yeah, um, yeah. So oh, I know. So it's like we haven't, you know, we haven't. We haven't maxed this out and and uh, you know i think that we should oh i know i was saying oh. the reason why we have the reason why trans tech went across so many uh verticals is because the uh. tech is all the same you know so whether someone calls who they serve a client a patient a student you know or a customer um you know the real difference has been sort of like maybe the regulatory environment and then also the passion of the founder what was the problem they wanted to solve? Mm. What were they trying to, like, what were they really trying to get at? But, you know, the machine learning is the machine learning. You know, the haptic sensors are the haptic sensors. You know, so so all of those things. So I think I was saying that and- um, Where I felt you were going with it and tell me if I'm wrong. question you asked before when I get the chip? Uh, the question before you we get the chip, one of the guys, what it would take to get the chip, and you said you didn't think that we've maxed out this enough, mm, right? And I yeah. felt that's where you you were going to it, um, because you're not you didn't want to you didn't want to actually upload your consciousness yet, because you were still focused on you. And you said maybe oh, it's something- I know what I was gonna say. So this is the important. This is a really important thing. So the early products in the category were very much tech based. So it was like out of the wearable space and. You know, and so there were lots of bracelets for this and trackers for that. And what is happening is that people are um, the, you know, so I've seen the same product be tech only. And then I've seen the same product add coaches, add people into the process. But but the technology is used to facilitate the connections between the people. And so what their uh, clinical studies have shown is that 
technology plus a person supporting you is better than technology alone and the person alone. And that's the thing. People are the sticky. People mm -hmm. are the sticky. And so I think there's something and, and, and this I haven't, it's just the tendrils of, I think there's something about, and this was to your point, there is something about, um, we need to be witnessed to truly know that we've changed and you don't change is not truly yours until you know it. And the only way that you can actually know it is when you are in relation to another human being. And so that's yeah. the thing. So, you know, yogi in a cave is easy, yeah. like sitting in a cave, milrepa, like eating, meditating and eating thistles, mm -hmm. easy compared to going home for Thanksgiving, you know, and like not getting triggered, <laughs> you yeah. know, like he was not hanging out with his mom, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. so that's it's the thing. It's that fine line, man. It's, it's like it's like the same thing. It's like it's easy to run away. It's easy to fight. But can you stand in that fine line? And the, and the fine line is it's easy to go into a cave when you have no temptation. It's easy to go and get all the temptation and go to Vegas and do whatever, whatever. It's it's hard to sit in that fine line and be able to run that course. And then also what you're talking about is that that reflective of what I said was um, I need to be the hero of my story. And I need to believe that you believe that and that and that and that method of of being something for the tribe and being someone in that in that space is is, is kind of what we're talking about and what i'm telling like almost like what you, you maybe think about you're talking about Dis, uh maslow's hierarchy of needs i feel like there's a layer on top of that now which is the digital transform self on top of that where it's not just transformation and the non-dual state but using the tech assisted version that allows you to reach even the higher peaks i don't know i just thought about that as we're going through it so i don't know if it's 100 true uh, but it was just the thought process of we can get further. I mean, technology is just a magnification of human intent and will. So if we use that technology, we can use it to become more for us and for the other people in our world. And so it's just a, it's an interesting thing to think about that. It, it it allows us to merge deeper with ourselves and other people, which is um, which yeah. is it sounds like what your whole uh the trans tech community is all about. Um, and is yeah. that your is that your what's your holy grail? What I would call the holy grail of the hero's journey for you in creating this this uh, trans tech community and all the work that you do. Um, is it do you, do you want to be do you want to create that starship in the space and be able to travel to other planets or what is it? What is it for you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I want I would say what I want now is I want um, I want the stack to be humanistic. And I want it to be infused with consciousness on every level. That's mm. what I want. To bring humanity to technology, to use it to connect us and not disconnect us. Well, it's, it's yes, yes. But it's also, it should be, you know, it should be um, for our, our transformation and betterment, you know, or, or betterment's the wrong word because there's nothing wrong with us. But it should be like the stack, I think, of the real topped by the augmented layer, topped by the fully digital layer, it should be human focused, human centric. Um, mm -hmm. It should be support our transformation. It should be interoperable, um, you know, and, um, you know, and, and it should support the development of human consciousness. Beautiful. And so, so that's, that's what I want. It's beautiful. And it is, it is the whole, whole package. What is the, the, the last question I've got for you on this is 
what is the dragon? If that's the Holy Grail, what is the dragon that you would need to defeat, that we would need to defeat in order to make that come true? Hmm. Well, I mean, the there's the, I mean, it's really, it's the, people have to build these things and we need the things that make them safe for us. So we need the AI agents and we need the, the rights um, and we need the education. Um, so we need that. Mm -hmm. And there'll be mixes. You know, the reality too is it's sort of like a lot of times, especially since so much of the stuff I look at is like, you know, like the inner landscape, your inner landscape is already knowable. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're actually already known. Mm -hmm. So people who are like, you know, what's coming, it's like, yeah, what's coming is kind of scary, but already it's pretty like, you know, right now only governments and ad sellers look at it, but you know, if it were, if all the pieces of your data halo were to be pieced together, um, including all the bio data that you drop, like your gate, gate and uh, psychological state are tied already. The way that you walk, right? Um, so, you know, Wi-Fi can pick up emotions. <laughs> like it's just really like the stuff that I've seen, you know, like, wow. um, you know, being able to, you know, the people can like look down your, uh, you know, into your eye and see cognitive load, like, like we revealed, we're revealed, but it's not connected, you know, mm -hmm. it's not connected yet. And so we need to get ahead of, of that. Um, so I would say the dragon would be apathy. Uh, the dragon would be Ooh. people not building, like you got to build the good stuff. Um, the dragon would be, um, you know, people not getting into the arena and building the good stuff, people not demanding the good stuff, people not, you know, choosing to join the data unions and things that give them leverage, um, people not, um, you know, taking the opportunities that come to them to become as deep as they can and teach their children to be as deep as they can. Um, you know, I mean, I, I actually, I'm incredibly optimistic um, and not from a tech optimism kind of way, but just because I pay a lot of attention to the technology arcs and how they compound. Um, and so we're very quickly getting to a place where, you know, on the molecular level, the shift from extraction to creation is much closer than you think. You know, um, like a lot of times when people think about AI driven, you know, discovery, they think about drug discovery and a bunch of things. People are doing AI driven material science discovery. So the ability to make materials that are, don't create the kind of waste that current materials do, you know, that are stronger and, you know, and tied to nature and a bunch of other things. So like that stuff is moving as fast as everything else. Um, and so, you know, but we are, we do have some existential threats, mostly around the climate. And so, you know, it's, um, it isn't a given, you know, history doesn't write itself. Um, and so, you know, like the magic pixies are not going to do it. <laughs> you know, like you have to get off your butt and get in the arena and build the things that need to be created. Oh, it's beautiful. In some form or another. And the worst case, that means maybe you fund a, you know, there's someone you know who's got a Kickstarter and they're building good stuff and you put your $25 down, you know, like do that, wow. you know, like whatever it is, do it. 
That's so beautiful. Yeah, I actually got started in technology because I backed a small little project on Kickstarter known as Oculus. And my headset okay. came in and I was just like, oh, what's this? And my mind was blown. I was like, okay, let's figure this out. Uh, but you're right. It's like, we, I mean, bringing it full circle with everything you're talking about. Like, I mean, you're talking about like, so the, the, the dragon of apathy, the dragon of don't believe that you can do it. The, the dragon of, 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 of thinking that you can't have an impact in this world. And it really, we, we need to do it through hard work and effort and belief and people calling you crazy and you just knowing that you're early and your ability to keep going along your path, uh, you know, and, and keep going through the whole course and say, I'm, I know it's okay if you say I'm crazy because at some point you're going to say I'm awesome and I'm going to keep going. So, well, you know, I mean, the good news is one of those things is if you do this kind of thing and you do it for long enough, you yeah. get to the point where like someone said to me, they were like, oh, you're right. That must feel very good. I was like, I'm past the point where my identity is based on that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like, like it lasted, you know, the journey lasted just long enough that if that's how I was fueled, I would be foobard. <laughs> you know, like. Not wired like that anymore. Um, you know, had to dewire, had to really dewire that to stay the course. And so, you know, for me, it's really, I, I think this next thing is also really the thing that, that matters. And um, I don't think I'm quite as early as I was last time. Um, so I'm going to start, I'm actually, I'm working on a book right now and um and I will be starting to talk about my, you know, my new theses um, next year. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm taking this time in the fall to like really dig in and some other stuff. So I'll start talking about it next year. Um, but um, I'm um, I'm pretty excited about this. I think um, a lot of my I think a lot of my thinking now is really it's. Uh, it's very different than what many people are saying. I think it's really new um, and it's kind of fun. It is fun to like see new things. Um, and so it's new thinking and, um, you know, and I think it's different than what most people are hearing. And I'm going to start pushing that stuff out next year. I think that's beautiful. And when you are ready to launch your book and, and you're ready to announce and promote it, please. Uh, you're more than welcome to come back on the show and and talk about it and release some juicy nuggets along the way. Um, Cause that would be, uh, that sounds incredible. And so that, that'd be amazing. And so with that being said, uh, you know, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about um, before you can tell them how to get a hold of you or the community that you're a part of? Uh, no, um, I think we covered a lot and, and I have to go. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, transformativetech.org, if you want to be a part of this, join mm -hmm. the community. And um, yeah, I think that's. All right. Mic drop on the way out. Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, all the effort, all the grind that you've done. Um, it's, it's very much appreciated. So, uh, thank you for pushing society in the right direction and, uh, I will see you on the other side. All right. See you on the other side. All right. Bye. Bye now. Take care. Thank you for listening to the heroes of reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are, or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, Tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.